Welcome to Alternative Dog Moms Podcast. I'm Kimberly Gautier, the creator of Keep the Tail Wagging. For the past nine years, I've been blogging about raw feeding, pet wellness, and life as a crazy dog mom. I've seen massive improvements in my dog's health since I started raising my dogs naturally, and I'm passionate about sharing my experience to help other pet parents. I'm Erin Scott. For the past nine years, I've been researching and learning everything I can about healing cancer, allergies, autoimmune, and mystery illnesses in both my dogs and myself, and I can't wait to share with you everything I've learned on this journey. As the Alternative Dog Moms, we're bringing you all the latest dog health news that we're following and sharing the tips, tricks, and resources we learn along the way. Now, let's get started. Hello, Kimberly. Hello, Erin. Hello, Holly. Hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the podcast. I'm super excited. We're very excited. I know. I was like in, um, I think it was last week. I don't know. Ever since the past two years, time means nothing to me. So (laughs) not long ago, I was um, talking to people at Animal Biome and it was like the most exhilarating conversation because every time they said something, I was like, my mind was like, what, what? And then I finally was like, we need to get you guys on a podcast because this is such great information that no one knows we're all talking about like healthy, healthy gut, healthy dog, you know, and we talk about gut health, but I find that most people, I mean, I think we're, we think we're doing something, but I don't know if we're doing what we think we're doing, if that makes sense. And the biggest thing is like when people say, or I should say, when I say I'm working on my dog's gut health, you know, I feed raw, but mostly it's like, oh, well, I gave him some fermented foods and I use this probiotic. And I think, yes, I'm winning when it's like, yeah, no, that's actually not quite it. I wanted to just ask, first of all, kind of like the origin story. Like, how do you get into doing this? How do you decide to start this company? I feel like the board microbiome is kind of at a tipping point, finally, where people are starting to to hear it. But like, obviously, you've known about this for a very long time. Like, how did how did you even become interested and learn about all this? Oh, yeah. So well, I am. Um... Well, I did my my PhD at UC Davis studying insect um, microbe interactions, but then I was really more interested in sort of coevolutionary arms races and like the bad microbes and like the harm that they can cause and just sort of thinking about evolutionary dynamics and basic research. But um, then I I ended up doing a postdoc where I studied um, wildlife disease, actually anthrax, which is a disease that's caused by a bacterium and it, it infects elephants and zebras and wildebeest and other animals in sub-Saharan Africa. And um, I, I was lucky, got the opportunity to, to do work there. And while I was, you know, in 2001, there was the anthrax attack. And so there was funding that went into research. And I met some people in like 2006 at Lawrence Berkeley Labs who had developed a chip to characterize all the bacteria in a sample. And of course, at that point, it cost $250 to do the chip by itself. And um, I started looking at the soil community and anyway, to try and look at how this pathogen was surviving in the environment to infect animals. But at the same time, I had adopted a herding dog who came to rule my life and she became like our daughter. And um, I wanted to try and apply the science to companion animal health. And I sort of thought, well, I enjoyed the wildlife work, but maybe I should have gone into veterinary medicine and done something a little more useful. Um, and so I uh, 
ended up doing research at the at UC Davis Vet School and the Genome Center, and but found it really hard to get academic funding to 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 study the microbiome of pets. And um, I wrote all these grants, and um, it was easier for me to study wildlife disease at that time. Wow! Even though the NIH had already funded and completed the Human Microbiome Project at this time, but animal health can lag a bit behind human health for sort of obvious reasons in terms of the investment that's made. So in 2015, um, now seven years ago, I did a Kickstarter to look at the cat microbiome. And it was partially a science education effort that the funding I had was for science communication. And so we thought, let's let's involve people a bit in microbiome science, see if we can help people realize why science is cool. And if we relate it to their pet cats, you know, maybe it'll be like at that point, we thought cats were the internet. And I was working with a professor who was passionate about cats. So we went with cats and, um, and all these people started telling me about how their cats had chronic diarrhea and how much suffering they were in and that they were on these medical merry-go-rounds. I also did learn about raw feeding, which I hadn't at that point um, really tried that much because my, my girl liked her food cooked. She was very fussy. (laughs) And uh, I just started talking to people and I thought this, this, these tools that we're using for research could probably help these people. And I just got really excited about trying to translate academic tools into something to help people in the world. And so in 2016, I started Animal Biome and we started doing dogs right away. Um, My dog did develop hemorrhagic gastroenteritis and she was the, well, my two dogs were the first to try our oral fecal transplant capsule approach. Um, She'd lived with this bloody diarrhea off and on for more than a year. And she couldn't, she could only eat like one kind of food. And if she ate a random thing, she would have bloody diarrhea and it was really stressful. Um, and after like 25 days on the capsules, she didn't have that problem again. I mean, like, yeah, a year or two later, she got pancreatic cancer, you know, and she, but she made it to, you know, almost 17 years. So, wow. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. amazing. (laughs) An amazing lifespan. I know it's so exciting. There's there's just so much to unpack there because, you know, when it comes to our dog's health, I was really surprised to have, um, well, my, I first tried animal biome because I have a dog that he's now has been diagnosed with exocrine pancreatic insufficiency. But for years I had um, stomach issues with him. And I have a girlfriend in Florida. She had a dog that had similar, just digestive issues. And it was one of those where we found like a way to exist, but we didn't really have a cure and all the veterinarians were out of loss. And, and for Rodrigo, it was until he was diagnosed with EPI. And then that was easy. But with Scout, you know, he was diagnosed with canine lymphoma in 2021. And it took me a year to find a holistic vet that could work with us. And um, so he went, he's gone through chemo twice. So now we finally have a holistic vet. And one of the first things she said was, I'd like you to have his microbiome tested because she was like, you know, everyone else is going to sort of like treat the cancer at a surface level where she wanted to look and see why did he get cancer in the first place? And her mind went straight to the gut, which I mean, it shouldn't have surprised me, but it was really surprising. And when I shared this on social media, that that's what she recommended. I got so many comments of what you mean we should be looking at. It was just like one of those where we've been talking about the microbiome and gut health for years, but 
still, we never made a connection. I mean, I guess the only connection we made was to like, um, you know, what is it? Irritable bowel syndrome or disorder or just any type of like my dog has diarrhea all the time or it was always going to be around mm-hmm. the digestive system or the gut but not really connected to any other health issue with our dogs and so I'm just like um and when she got the we got the reports I gave her a copy I gave Erin a copy for her birthday <laughs> <laughs> such a good friend <laughs> and when she was going over the report she was just sort of like wow I, she's like, this isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. So, you know, he's, you know, it can use some improvement, but it's not as bad, but she did want me to get him onto the gut restore. And I was just like, I don't think they have the one for the raw fed dog. She's like, yes, they do. Let me call and find out. (laughs) And then I got a text message like the next day, they have it, order it now. And I was like, okay. (laughs) It's hard to keep in stock. So you can help us out, get some more donors. Yeah. And that is that, you know, with the, the raw fed dogs, um, the gut restorer. That's what I was going to ask. Is it because it's so hard for you guys to get the donors? Yeah, the, we just need more donors. We're always recruiting, but it can be hard. And there's a lot of demand for raw as well. I bet. And when it, I mean, because I've I've already ordered my second bottle. I was so upset because I was talking to her. I think Monday, so yesterday, and I was just like, I'm so mad because I didn't know what to do, and I was waiting for her to come back from vacation. And you guys had this bogo sale. And I was just like, and I missed the BOGO sale. I could have just had it. And, and she was just like, oh, you, she, she was like, well, you need to start paying attention. And, and just like, oh my gosh. So yes, I ordered my second bottle and it's on the way. But um, when it comes to getting donors, do the dogs have to meet a certain criteria beyond being raw fed? Yes. So, I mean, they have, they obviously have to be healthy and not have any diagnosed conditions. I mean, it's because um, whether or not we know what causes, right, these health problems, we know that a lot of them are associated with imbalances in the microbiome, which might be either indication or maybe a contributing factor to them. So we just don't want to pass any of that on. Um, also, like we don't like want them to be overweight or obese because, right, there are studies with mice and even people where they found that if you transplant fecal material from a overweight donor, the recipient can end up being overweight as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, this The um, fecal transplants are sort of the state of the art right now. We're hoping to in the future have like microbial cocktails with these native gut flora. Um, but yeah, those are the main things. We also like to have them not have had antibiotic exposure in the recent past because you know, we don't know why antimicrobial resistance might've been selected for. And we also know that they tend to lose good things. And so we want to have the best, most diverse population. They also can't take any medications on an ongoing basis because we don't really want to have that in the product either. Right. Right. And so I know I'm going, I'm going to be all over the place because I just have so many questions, but another thing that was recommended was to add fiber to the diet. And if you guys hear a cat in the background, that's Cosmo. He's has a lot to say today, Um, (laughs) (laughs) but um, with the fiber, you know, one thing that I, you know, the report, by the way, the reports are gorgeous. They are so clear and they were so much fun to read. And the problem was, is I basically completely ignored the work that I had to do and just sat there reading and Googling for the rest of the day after I got my report because it was so much fun. But when it comes to fiber, um, are there some fibers that are more beneficial than other fibers for dogs specifically? 
Well, I mean, there are so many fibers out there, but it's, it's, they're not all sort of easily available. You know, like you can look at like, um, you know, like when we're mainstream diet, like the Hills GI biome diet, they put in all these really good fibers and some of the other commercial, um, kibble producers have done that as well, but we can't like get like, I don't know. I mean, we can make some of them ourselves. Right. But some of them, it's just sort of hard to get like crushed walnut husks and stuff like that. Right. Um, so I'm hoping in the future we can create more of those like as blends that are available. So we, we end up often relying a lot on inulin, which I find to be very helpful. People also like use psyllium, um, but you can do things like, right, like dandelion greens or other ways of getting some, some fiber and some greens in there. Um, so I think there's a lot of creativity that can be employed if you're, uh, if you're augmenting your pet's food with some fiber. I mean, what we found is some raw feeders or if they're making it themselves or maybe some of the commercial ones as well, just don't have fiber added. And maybe that's fine for a lot of pets, right? But some individuals just need more fiber than others, just like people. You know, what's interesting is everything that I learned from the test, it's easier for me to just apply it to all of my dogs. I mean, only one of my dogs is getting the gut restore, but I went and got fiber and added it to everyone's diet. And the change was pretty much immediate. And what's interesting is that I had to go back and rewrite a few blog posts. And um, around the same time, a friend of mine, he's a, a police officer and he has a working canine who was just retired. And now that he's retired, he called me because he's like, I want to get him steadily on a raw diet. And so we were talking about that. But the thing that concerned him was, you know, every single time he eats raw, he gets diarrhea. So I put him back on the kibble. And I keep, I've told him this for years. It's like, you just need to get over that hump of him dealing with the transition. But what I would have told him years ago is, oh, add a probiotic. But this time I told him, hey, I'm adding this fiber to my dog's diet. Just add a little bit to this his diet and see if that makes a difference. Which brings to my my next question of as I'm doing all this googling and stuff and I just I can't state enough how much I love the reports. They are so easy to read and they they come to mind like the Embark Vet reports and the website where you're clicking around and reading all this stuff. Everywhere you go, you have a whole bunch of new information or it dives deeper into something. So it was just like, I, I understand this. The first set of reports I got, I'm just like, I don't know what I'm reading. I don't understand what any of this means. But this set of reports where it just explained what each bacteria was and what you can do. Like if you need to increase this, do this. If you need to decrease this, it was really kind of cool. But when it comes to probiotics, when I was talking on the phone with your team, one thing that they told me was that if we just start adding probiotics to the diet, which is something that so many of us have been doing for so many years without giving it any thought, just buying one, not looking at what, I mean, and I am so guilty of this, but I would put, but they said that it can replace the native bacteria in the gut. And so it's sort of like, that's why you might not want to just willy nilly add probiotics to your dog's diet. You need to really do so with more intention. And I was wondering, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we've, we've been learning right over the years and like, it used to be like also for human medicine, like I did chemo like six years ago and my doctor was like, get a probiotic with as many strains as you can find and take it. Um, but then, you know, subsequently they realized that like, actually giving probiotics can, can in some cases of, in some forms of cancer can actually like lead to poor outcomes because they just like, they are actually doing something in some cases, but they don't really understand what and where you're starting off. 
So, but that's sort of an extreme example. But in general, we think that there might be a little bit like vitamins, which is that you may not need them. So I wouldn't worry like that you've done harm or anything. It's just, um, we've been told like, oh, we should do it every day. But unless you're trying to solve a problem, I don't think you need to do it every day. And that really the fiber, right, is going to feed the, the bacteria that are there. And that's a better approach because the probiotics, yeah, on the market today for the, va- the vast majority of them aren't coming from dogs or cats. And so, and, and, and we need soil bacteria and, you know, we should all go outside and breathe the air and stuff too. But, um, but we probably don't need to take soil bacteria on a daily basis as a probiotic which is, right. or even the yogurt bacteria. I like to eat fermented foods. Of course, I think we think now it's probably better to eat the fermented food, get mm-hmm. the food along with the, the strains in there. Yeah. I was also surprised um, because, again, after I got the test, I, I reached out to a couple of companies that offer a digestive supplement for dogs to find out, well, what strains are in here? Because first I look at the container and it's like, oh, because on the human products, they, they're, they boldly tell you one billion strains. But on the pet products, they just tell you, you know, probiotics, prebiotics, digestive enzymes, here you go. And so I was stunned to find out that there was really, there's like one strain of probiotics in there. And it's not necessarily specific to dogs. It's actually, uh, um, as I understand it, there's one probiotic, I don't know the name of it. And I'm not going to say it. I think last week, um, Aaron pronounced a word that was so long. <laughs> <laughs> it was Saccharomyces boulardii, I think, was the one I was Boulardia, yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is unfair. There needs to be nicknames for these words. Espoo. <laughs> we just call that one Espoo. Uh-huh. Espoo is the one that I think I know actually from now from seven years that um, you can take that, give that to your dog if you need to, or cat, if they have GI issues and it won't harm the native flora. Oh, so that was why I was using that one to ferment my goat milk with. Oh, yeah, that's right. You can, you can use it. Yes. You know, that's good to know because that that was the concern. And that was why I called you guys back because Green Juju now has this goat's milk where we can now ferment it with our own probiotics. But I was just sort of like, so what am I supposed to do? Just go to the store and pick up some probiotics? And then are these really for dogs? And um, it's not like I can go to a local supplement store and and say, hey, so my dog, and they're going to be able to like, oh, good question. Let me take you over here and explain all of these. You know, they're not going to know. And I mean, they don't know for humans, let alone for pets. And so that was like the question of, I mean, what do we use? So that's really good to know. Yeah, I mean, Espelarde is not like a dog strain, but it's been, but we know that it supports the FMT. So that's sort of the main thing. And that you know, because if they if you if they're not sort of medically stable, it's really helpful to be able to use something like that to stabilize. So the what's sort FMT? Of diarrhea. Oh, fecal transplant. Sorry, like gut restore is a okay. fecal transplant <laughs> in a capsule. These fancy words. That's a much nicer yeah. name than fecal anything, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know. And um, another thing is my, I don't know if it said that on the site, but I know my veterinarian said, please don't open it and sprinkle it over their food. Just put right. it in the capsule. Right. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Oh yeah, that's fine. I'll do that. Right. Yeah. And it's better. It's cleaner for you to keep it in the capsule. <laughs> so Aaron, share your experience. So my dog Penny, who you, I don't know if you can see her sitting behind me on the sofa here, but um, so because I 
love all of this kind of stuff. The first time I ever heard about Animal Biome, I think it was like Christmas of 2018. And so for fun, I was like, oh, I want to do this with my dog and just see what happens because that's the kind of thing I think is fun. I just wanted to, to see how it worked. And I got the report and it was pretty good. And I'm like, okay, like, you know, I had all this information and, and stuff. Well, in 2019, Penny had a couple health issues. And then when we got to 2020, right around when quarantine time happened, she had developed all these sores on her feet and it like her feet were blown up. Uh, you know, she, it was hard for her to walk. Like she couldn't even walk around the block because her feet was so sore and the, the sores were like coming up her leg and like she had like draining tract wounds and, and we couldn't figure out what was going on with her. And I, I started working with a new veterinarian during that time. And that was the first thing that she had said too, was let's get an animal biome test. And so the other thing that she had asked me to do was to put together a medical history for Penny. And so I went through and kind of made this like chart of like, you know, chronological order. And I realized in 2019, she had had four courses of antibiotics over that year. And we got the report back in 2020. And I mean, it was like worst of the worst of the worst. Like my vet actually called you guys to talk about it. And so we literally had like evidence of kind of like before four courses of antibiotics and after and the difference that it made so negatively affecting her. And so right away it was like, clearly there's a, a, a microbiome issue going on here. And so we did rounds of the capsules and my vet actually ended up doing like a kind of like the enema version. Yeah. Um, And we actually did that twice. And then we give the gut restore maintenance wise to keep her going. And so she's been great, you know, ever since that, ever since that second, um, like enema version. But yeah, I mean, she had this total and complete health crisis all caused by a microbiome imbalance directly, I believe, as a result of all these antibiotics. Wow. And it was manifesting as skin condition, Mm -hmm. all these sores. And so did they, they improved? Oh yeah, yeah. She doesn't have any problems now. Wow, <laughs> I know it's it's kind of um, amazing. I I've been doing reels <laughs> recently, trying to keep up with what's popular on social media is kind of a pain in the neck. Yes, but I've been knocking out reels recently, and one of them someone asked me was about antibiotics and how do I have that discussion if a veterinarian um, is going to say we got to do antibiotics. You know, how do I, I think the person was hoping that I would give them this magic sentence of no, let's use this natural product instead. Cause it works just as well. And I was just like, nah, that's not me. It's like, if you, if I trust my veterinarian, then I'm going to trust their decision. I was like, however, we now need to have a conversation about the microbiome. And what's interesting to me is um, I'm blessed to have you know, very healthy dogs, even my dog that has lymphoma, he's 18 months post-diagnosis. And I mean, if you met him, you would not know that he had cancer. He's just a happy, healthy dog. But what's interesting to me about the antibiotics is he was sick, I don't know how many years ago, many, many years ago, and we could not figure out what it was. We went to a vet, we went to an emergency vet, they sent us to um, I always forget the name. It's the one of the initials, one of the chain vet hospitals. The VCA, VCA yeah. VCA, yeah. I, I know it's a V, but I, <laughs> I want to say VCN, VPI, I don't know. But but them, I went there and I'm walking in there just 
defeat it because I know that they're going to be like, stop feeding raw, da 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 da. And I'm expecting this whole lecture of that's why your dog's so sick. But I I went in anyway and we talked about it. And and so I said, okay, let's do antibiotics. And they were surprised because they knew that I was a raw feeder and they, they were expecting pushback. So I'm expecting a lecture. They're expecting pushback. And so we're like looking at each other tentatively. And I was like, that's fine. But can we talk about his gut health? And I was blown away when this VCA veterinarian was like, yeah, let's have a conversation. And we talked about what to do to keep his gut health on track while he's going through a round of antibiotics. So I think the information is out there. We just got to be willing to have the conversation. So my question to you after all of that is, if a dog has to go through a round of antibiotics, how do you suggest that we address this using your products? I mean, should we try and, you know, get in a a report or a test before we start the antibiotics? Um, or should we just like the second they're over, like, cause I, I'm assuming you don't want us to do the test while they're on the antibiotics. It would be more like maybe two weeks after. Yeah. I mean, it depends on what you like, what you're trying to assess. I mean, if you want to see like the low point that there, then you could do it during antibiotics. But what I usually recommend is doing gut restore afterwards. What they have shown is that if you give probiotics, you'll actually delay the recovery of the, the native gut flora. So they're, um, so it's, it's a useful tool, right? But you want to use it when, like, at the right moments. And um, and so yeah, the best thing you can do is do a, a gut restore to reintroduce the native flora. And I know that one of your one of the people on your team, the she's the person that helped me out the most, Rocio. Yeah, she has a dog that's permanently on gut restore, and she just swears by it. And I, because that was the other thing that I was surprised by that, because I thought it would be like this temporary thing. The only reason why I'm doing two rounds is because Erin, when we talked about it, she did two rounds. And then I brought this up to um, our holistic vet and she was like, yeah, yeah, you should definitely be doing two rounds because I have a big dog. So this is only like a 15 day supply rather than a 30 day supply. But I'm like really excited because, you know, two weeks after I finish, I want to do another test. And and the thing about it is I have a lot of followers that have done multiple tests. And I'm just like, why are you guys spending money doing these tests over and over again. But now that I'm- Yeah, you get it. <laughs> I'm like, this is addictive because I just want to know. And I'm sitting here watching my email waiting for another BOGO sale because I'm like, whoa, what about Zoe? Because Zoe is Scout's sister and does her, and, you know, and they live together. They have the same diet. What is her microbiome? I mean, it's very addictive. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I have an advantage because I can do it monthly for my pets. <laughs> do you do it monthly for your pets? Actually, I'm a little bit behind, but I have. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting to see over time. Um, have you? What have you noticed? Well, I think that um, one of my dogs does occasionally get flare-ups of of Escherichia or E. coli, um, which you know I probably wouldn't know about otherwise. Because um, other, he's pretty healthy, but that's sort of a thing that um, is like in his case, he hasn't been on antibiotics, but like it is associated with like for some dogs, like it definitely becomes more of a problem. Mm-hmm. We don't know his history because he adopted him at like six or seven from a rescue. So yeah. I don't know what his, and he definitely had a rough early life. Um, there was something I wanted to add about, like, so you were just talking about the um, antibiotics. Oh yeah. So when, so my boy Darwin, he got a foxtail in his foot. He is, 
not a good dog to take to the veterinarian. He does not want to go in there. He does not want to be touched by anything. I can't brush him. Like he thinks he was abused and, um, but he had a fox tail. So we had to take him in. Um, and then they wanted to put him on prophylactic antibiotics so that he wouldn't have an infection in his foot. But because, you know, I care about his gut health. I asked if there was like, if could I just soak it and bathe it and watch it? And so I, I bought the antibiotics, but I held off taking them until there was any sign of infection and he didn't end up needing to take them. Yeah. I had that happen with Zoe. She had a lump on her knee last year. Yeah. And um, it was, at first they thought it was an abscess because they drained it and it went down, but then it, it filled back up. And so they just went ahead and removed it and they gave me antibiotics, but I was just sort of like, well, we don't know if we need them yet. But I also have a really great vet that was just sort of like, let's just take these just in case you don't have to do it. And it's just like, thank you for knowing me. I feel seen. <laughs> but, um, and I just, I went with hers. I sprayed it um, every night with colloidal silver and then put coconut oil around the incision and it healed just perfectly and she never had need for it. I do not recommend this as a, op, you know, alternative to antibiotics <laughs> to anyone who is listening. I am not a veterinarian. <laughs> well, you know, what had happened with Penny was she had had a UTI and so they gave clindamycin and then that worked. And then as soon as she stopped taking the clindamycin, the UTI came back. They gave the clindamycin again. As soon as you know we finished the, the course, the symptoms came back again. And then that's when they sent it out for like an antibiotic sensitivity test and found out that she needed a completely different type of antibiotics. So now we're on like our third, you know, antibiotic, which did work. And so that was how we learned to always ask about doing the antibiotic sensitivity mm -hmm. test whenever mm -hmm. possible. Mm -hmm. And then when she first started having the issues with her feet and the sores, the first thing they did was give an antibiotic again. And so that's how she ended up having like four rounds of antibiotics in like an eight month period of time. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think you can ask them like, do I need to do this now or can we wait and see? Are there other options? Just to, not that we won't do it because we, we definitely don't want them. Right. Antibiotics are really useful, important tool, save, life saving. Right. right. But. But yeah, if you can do a sensitivity test and reduce the number of different kinds of antibiotic exposure they're going to get, that's that's really critical. So can you talk a little bit about, we see the word prebiotic, probiotic, postbiotic. Can you like explain a little bit about that so I have a little better grasp? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, these, first off, like, I just want to apologize to the world for like, whoever started using these terms, right? Like, they're <laughs> terrible, right? Like... <laughs> And I mean, even as a, as a biologist, like I didn't really know them myself 10 years ago. I was like, what is this? I mean, um, yeah, I think right now more people know what a probiotic is, right? Like that those are, are beneficial strains of bacteria or fungi that are given as a health supplement. And usually they should be shown. I think with a lot of these things now, they're trying to say that like for, that they should have been shown to have some kind of health benefit. Um, prebiotics are the, like the food that the microbes eat. So I think the prebiotic is the food, like the fiber and other like oligosaccharides that like feed microbes. The probiotics are the microbes themselves. And then the postbiotics, which is like the latest, like annoying term that we, <laughs> people have to learn is I just like to think of it as that that's the good stuff that the microbes produce. And so that can be short chain fatty acids, which are anti-inflammatory and help 
feed like the intestinal cells, or it could be um, vitamins. It could be um, neurotransmitters and other other things that are made by by the microbes. And I mean the this whole idea of like the microbiome and just how you know, like you said, it can affect like your weight gain or loss. It can even affect like um, like with neurotransmitters, like depression, uh, if you know you're you're not getting the right balance. I mean, it really does kind of control everything in our bodies, but yet I feel like we're not talking about it enough. <laughs> right. I agree. That's right. Yeah, I mean, we didn't have the tools until like sort of genetic sequencing reached the point of being sort of affordable enough for us to to look at that. Right. We started with our own genomes, but not the the not the bacteria that lived in our our guts or in our poop until later. And so then all of a sudden we're like, wow, this community has a lot of things living here that we didn't know about. We were so focused on the pathogens, which, you know, early in my career, I focused on too. Um, but yeah, but then we realized like there are all these good things, right. That are helping serve important roles. And it's been like into like another organ in our body that we just didn't, yeah. we didn't appreciate. Yeah. And now that there is like so much research and science about it, I feel like it, and it actually kind of made me laugh when you said that, um, that the raw feeding pills go so much quicker. Cause I'm imagining that it's the people who are the raw feeders who are like most aware <laughs> of like mm-hmm. the microbiome and, and well, that might be why. these types of things, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, like, I feel like it's still kind of like more alternative, um, you know, holistic, like not every vet down the street is like, telling you, oh, there's this issue, we should look at the microbiome, even though we do have all this research, you know, out about it now. Do you have any, like, understanding of why there's kind of like this delay in it going more like mainstream? Um, Yeah, I mean, I've puzzled over this a bit myself. Um, I think some of it is the way medicine is taught, right? Like, so you learn how to practice and they, and, and like, they want to teach you to practice a certain way, and they don't really want um, you to innovate a lot, you know, in your practice, right? So, I think some of it is by its nature, medicine is conservative, right? And it, and it probably should be. And so the, the early adopters do tend to be, I think, more of the holistic veterinarians who are sort of seeing the problems that are associated with conventional practice, but also the specialists, like the VCAs, like they're also like sort of, they're dealing with like these severe cases, terminal cases, and trying to like stay up on the latest things, try and really help their, their patients, I think. I think, I mean, my understanding is that it, I think what it really will take is some like, you know, key influencers within veterinary schools to sort of start training the next generation. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's really exciting. I actually have been working on part two because I rewrote my first review that was from years ago. And now I'm working on part two. That is this review, but also I wanted to get like, a couple of, you know, at least a week of the gut restore and what I'm seeing with that and the fiber. But when it comes to the gut restore, what exactly is that doing into, in our dog's body and how does it stay? Like, (laughs) right. I mean, it does depend like, so, but yes, I mean, for, for my dog Yuki, right. Who had this like bloody diarrhea, um, she had had, um, and I don't remember now the history of like when she first got, I think she had successive rounds of metronidazole. So I think her microbiome had gotten depleted. I think she was lucky because she wasn't like a predisposed to IBD. So she'd always had like a cast iron stomach. So it was really surprising when later in life she developed this condition. I think that then basically we just, 
I viewed it as like seeding the gut. So you put like, make sure you have a good, you're feeding a good diet. You have to prepare the soil. And like, if they're like, you don't want everything like all disrupted and inflamed. So you need to sort of make sure they're not vomiting and having diarrhea because they just won't be able to, it's just not going to be able to work very well in those cases. Um, but then I think that basically the idea is to give a little bit of these beneficial bacteria and other things every day for like a month or two and, and give them a chance to colonize Mm -hmm. and change the community. I mean, one really cool thing about um, like changing diet, like raw to a high quality other food or, and back again is that it can reshuffle the microbiome because sometimes it can kind of get stuck Mm -hmm. in a place. Um, But you know, what we're really hoping for is colonization and then you shouldn't need like to keep doing it, but there are some individuals who like have an autoimmune disorder. Yeah. And in those cases, they might actually need to keep taking it. But that, what we usually try to recommend is to, is to see what the minimum dose they can get them down to, to sort of keep supporting things so that maybe it can be once a week or, you know, so that it's affordable. Right, right. Yeah, I, I'm like really in love with that. And so is there a way, you know, if you get um, a bottle of probiotics and they tell you, oh, there's... 5 billion colony forming units. Like, is there a way to quantify the difference of like what they're getting in the poop? <laughs> yeah, no, this, I mean, the challenge is, is that, um, so the, the probiotics on the market are things that are easily cultivated and what lives in our gut are many things that we didn't know about because we couldn't culture them. And so it's not like we can say we can use one culture media and say there's 10 trillion of this thing because we have to use, so what we do is we do now have our own lab and we're cultivating all these new microbes. And it's very exciting, but we use like 12 different kinds of media and you get different things in the different plates. And so it's just not a, when you're having a complex mixture, we can't do the same kind of thing that you can do when you're saying like, this is SPLRDI and we we're getting, you know, this many CFUs. So we tend to look at it more in terms of, um, the composition by sequencing what bacteria are there and making sure that they have all of the core taxa. And so even if, even if you did end up with a conventional donor for, we know that it has core beneficial bacteria that healthy dogs have. And so we think both are good options as, and, and vastly superior to a probiotic, which is going to be manufactured with sort of mainstream ingredients. Mm-hmm. So do you guys have plans for other types of supportive supplements? Yes. That you can share with us? <laughs> so I mean, for starters, we are creating microbial cocktails so that we can, I think that we'll, there'll probably always be a need for something like Gut Restore because it's a really oh, yeah. complicated thing that we, it's not hard to engineer, but we want to be able to grow the key groups of bacteria that are so foundational for health and maybe especially harmed by antibiotics so that we can reintroduce them and make them easier for us to manufacture and more affordable for people. And we're doing that for initially sort of focusing on the GI and then skin conditions will be next and then metabolic disorders. But, and then there's sort of a long list of dreams of places we want to go in the future. I can just totally imagine how this could be used like so in such a targeted way. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I know, right? I'm sitting here thinking about my other, because it's like, you know, everything you have to think about your other dogs and how these types of things can benefit all of my dogs. And it's just, like really freaking exciting just to even <laughs> think about it. Because, you know, I have my dog, Rodrigo, he's 12 and he has exocrine pancreatic insufficiency. But I mean, he still has a gut and, and we still need, need to maintain his gut health. It's just that, 
his pancreas no longer produces the digestive enzymes. So I produce them and <laughs> add them to the meal. But um, he could still benefit from something like Gut Restore or what you were talking about that's coming down the line. Same thing with Zoe, even though she is healthy. And then we have this young um, husky golden retriever mix in the house. He's three years old. I mean, you know, it's it's just sort of exciting to think about starting our dogs like the second they join our family, getting them onto a really good regular maintenance of their gut health to see how it turns out 10 years down the line. There are a few products I should probably mention that you might be interested in. Um, the S Boo is is great alternative, I think, for um, resolving diarrhea, to, uh, alternative to going to the metronidazole, because it's been shown in research that's been published in peer-reviewed journals that it can resolve diarrhea as quickly as, as metronidazole, so it's a like, less harmful option. Um, we are actually creating a digestive enzyme mix, so really hoping to launch that in September in time for the Holistic Veterinary Conference. I'm really targeting the dogs with EPI because we we found a company that has a really great product that's designed for protein di- help with protein digestion. Oh, nice. And um, and we think that some like some of these food and sensitivities are really because of like inability to digest them, but not necessarily that protein is something they can't tolerate if they could have the right digestive enzymes. And with my dog, Yuki, who developed pancreatic cancer, I wished I had known about digestive enzymes sooner to help support her in her later months. Um, we also have a immune shield, which has a postbiotic in it, which has been shown to help support better immune function. And um, one of our animal care team members, is, she, um, she breeds these adorable dogs, and she's found that it's, it has actually helped protect them from kennel cough. So we're hoping to try and do some more work demonstrating that, but it's been shown um, clinically shown in dogs and people to support like the production of beneficial immune cells. You know, it's, I love that you guys are doing something for EPI dogs because I had my main source in my backup and I just found out um, in, over the past month that my backup is no longer available. So I only have one main source and thankfully I stocked up on it, um, not too much because, you know, they expire, but uh, so I still have it, but it's sort of like this scary thing where like, what if they close up shop? What am I going to do? So, yay. Yeah. And I was really hoping to try and get some dogs off those hydrolyzed diets. Yeah, I know. And so you have two gut restores. So you have your regular one, you have one that's sourced from raw fed dogs. Can people still use the regular one? even if they do feed raw? Yeah, we do. And and we get, we get great outcomes with both. I think, you know, if you're, if you've been using more like mainstream probiotics, I think both of these are really amazing options that have a lot of native dog and cat flora, depending on which, which one you get. So the one thing that I noticed when I was looking back through the reports for both of our dogs, where they kind of scored the lowest is in the actual like diversity aspect of it. And I guess I'm always surprised because, you know, and just like I was surprised with Penny, like we do feed raw, we do do all the, you know, fermented products. Like we think that we're doing all of the right things. And so I'm always surprised, you know, to, to see like, oh, it's not quite as good as I maybe thought it was going to be. Well, I think for one thing, we don't, it's not like we know that having a certain diversity score is associated with longevity or like, you know, long-term health. So 
what and we do know that like I feed my dogs raw and I think that it's the you know the best option. We do know from some research that um you have lower diversity is associated with with raw feeding. That doesn't mean that it's worse and that like you don't have, you know, promote better long-term health with raw diet. It's just a different I think some of the extra fibers that they put in kibbles boost up the diversity scores that you're seeing. In the future we're sort of planning that we'll probably split, you know, the interpretation of the results based on the diet that you're feeding. But right now what we're doing is sort of, we, we understand because a lot of us do feed raw um, and we have a good representation of raw and fresh and kibble and wet food in our database. We're sort of doing a generalized interpretation right now. So do you look at like the overall, like trends that you see in the results uh, that you get of like, are there any like commonalities that you see amongst like all the dogs you test or dogs that are kibble fed versus raw fed or are there any like trends that you see well i mean we can definitely i think identify a kibble fed cat or dog like based on what we see with we've done classifier models it's very easy to see that i think it's just because there's certain i think things that they're adding that the microbiome responds to i think the bigger trends of things we notice though relate to sort of health conditions and we have some suspicions of like, when we see a lot of streptococcus that that might be relating to some upper GI issues. The main trends that we find is some individuals are missing core groups of bacteria. We call those like the missing microbes. Some of them have elevated levels of pathogens, especially E. coli. That's like, we found 30% of the samples that we have from dogs and we get a lot of sick pets have elevated levels of E. coli. And so I think it's a really common problem. And actually it's, it's interesting because in talking to sort of other animal microbiome researchers, it's, it seems universal. Like people have trouble with E. coli, livestock do, and dogs do too, oh, wow. which I think is really interesting. And so that's where we have the, um, the pre four pro in the gut maintenance plus is, is a bacteriophage cocktail that's designed to target some of the worst E. coli strains. And then we actually have a research pro- project going on with a partner to isolate more phages from dogs that are specific for E. coli so that hopefully in the future we can replace some antibiotics with more targeted solutions that don't hurt the good stuff in the microbiome. Yeah, I, Penny was on the Pre4Pro. She was on the, the SBU. Um, she was on like all the things to try to get her back to health. Erin, how long did it take for her to recover? Um, maybe six months, maybe six months from when we first started going to that vet. But, you know, it was less time than that once we sort of, because first it was like we were trying different things. We were, uh, we sent out the animal biome result, you know, animal biome test. We get the, you know, so, but six months after working with that vet, but it was less time than that, I guess, once we kind of identified, oh, this is what the issue is. This is what we're going to try. And Holly, what's the process like when you guys um, test our dog's stool samples? Oh, yes. And and before you tell us that, let me just say, the first time I did the test, my boyfriend was freaked out. (laughs) He was just like, what are you doing? I don't know what he thought I was doing. He sort of leaves me alone when it comes to the dogs because he's like, yeah, this is just who she is. And she's really into the dogs. And so when he saw me outside with rubber gloves digging (laughs) <laughs> you know, he was so disturbed. And I was just like, at least I'm not doing it in the kitchen. So, <laughs> Which I'll do. <laughs> yeah. 
I do. I love your kits because I mean, you literally give you everything that you need and yeah. like a backup, like it's perfect. And then you, there's always like a sticker or I don't know, just something that makes me giggle in there. Like I just, I appreciate like the thought that went into that. Yes. Well, thank you. So we, so we, yeah, we send you a kit. You have to put a little bit of poop in a tube and I mean, maybe the, the tubes are a little small, but it really helps us to have them come in in those tubes because all our machines are sort of designed to fit those tubes. And, um, and so, yeah, we usually get, you know, duplicates to like two tubes from you. And then we're going to look at them. We'll choose the one that looks best. And then we, we keep the second one as a backup. Um, then we actually have to like, um, it has a fixative in it so that you can send it to us in the mail. We don't have to like FedEx it and add that cost. So the first thing we do is we like, spin it down and get rid of the fixative so that we can then put it into um, basically we do something where we're breaking up the bacterial cells and getting the DNA out of them. So that's DNA extraction. And then we do something called um, PCR, which is like a DNA photocopier. So we basically like amplify a, a, um, a gene that we can use to identify the bacteria from, we call it a marker gene. And so we have this PCR. We, so we basically like make many, many copies of this one gene. Um, they call that amplicon sequencing. What's really great about it is that like in the future, we'll be doing skin. We do oral already. In some cases, you'll get a lot of the host DNA, like the dog DNA. And, and if we sequence it and we sequence everything, we'll sequence a lot of dog DNA. But for the microbiome, we don't care about that. Mm-hmm. And so we really just like focusing on the bacteria um, or fungi we can do as well. So we make many, many copies of it. And then we actually have our own sequencers. So we then like clean up that, DNA so that it can go on the sequencer. And then we do a sequencing run and we're doing multiple sequencing runs every week. And the aim is to really try and get you your results as fast as possible. But it does take us several days to go through all of that for each sample. Um, And then we get like, basically we're taking this biological sample poop and then we're creating like, you know, binary digital data. And then it goes up in the cloud and then we actually have some, um, analysis that we do. And then, um, and then once it's sort of, so we're making sure that like it meets quality standards, we have controls that we can, so we, we know that we didn't have contamination and things like that, that we're, we're checking with every run. And then once it goes through all that quality check, we put it into our web app and then send you an email and we should send you an email. We do send an email when we receive it as well. So usually if people write us and they're like, have you received it? Sometimes it, the fact that they haven't heard from us is because maybe occasionally things do get lost in the mail. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to like, after you, you're building this database of, of information, which man, Aaron, we would have so much fun in that. (laughs) Can you imagine? But you know, when we're, cause when I'm looking at my report and it's comparing scout to all these other dogs, um, one complaint that I, I get from people, and it's interesting because I had this complaint too, but it, 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 it stems from a place of just not really understanding. But it's sort of like my dog is, he's not necessarily being compared to raw fed dogs. He's being compared to all the dogs you guys are testing, right? That's and right. I think that that's a confusion because as a raw feeder, and I will own this, we, we tend to put ourselves on this, this pedestal. And, you know, it's like, I can't, my dogs can't possibly be compared because it's not a true apples to apples comparison because I feed raw. But when it comes to the content that you're having, I mean, is there a reason why 
it's not separated and why you're not doing kibble to kibble and then raw to raw? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I think we, um, we have adjusted the algorithm so that like we, we don't flag if, if it's a raw feeder and the, the, so we sort of just, it's just, it's a lot of work to build an algorithm and create an app, I guess is the, the thing. And so it is on the roadmap to ultimately divide the report and give different, it's just that then there's a different, we have to have like a, a um, we have a file, which we, which the software will look to, to create this report. And, um, and so then we would need to look up a different table, which we can generate and we will do this. It's just, um, it's sort of just on the development roadmap, but we've done like studies, like we've done crossover studies. We really understand how raw feeding affects the microbiome and, and vice versa. And but the way that we sort of the compromise we have right now is that our interpretation is taking that into account. So we shouldn't be flagging you. Mm-hmm. But I think the other issue is that with our, with how we're presenting it that we're working on is like, I think sometimes people feel like we're giving them a report card and like, <laughs> it's like, I mean, you could be spending like $400 a month on amazing food, right? Which is really good. You're giving them an amazing diet. Um, sometimes like the microbiome might not look the way you want it. And it's, it's because like they have some predisposition or, you know, there's something else going on and it's really not a reflection of the amazing care that you're giving. But, and so I, we've been trying to sort of modulate how we talk about it so that people don't feel like we're somehow saying like, oh, they're a C student. Cause that's not at all what we need to do. Right. And it's, people feel really personal about it. It's so true. And until you said it, I never really thought about it. But yeah, yeah, I keep going back to Scout has, you know, mild to moderate. And I'm like, what does that mean? He should be in the green. I feed raw. I know. And I didn't, I did not want to have the whole like, you know, mild to moderate thing, but people wanted, they wanted a simple like interpretation yeah. and um, well, something but- to quickly look at. And, and it is helpful. I know that, um, Parsley Pet, which does nutritional blueprint testing, they actually give you a letter grade. Really? Yeah. I do like them. And um, I took their test when they were really new and it was with the original owners and they wanted my feedback on the report. And I, I don't remember what it was, but there was something about the red because it was like my report was lit up in red. And I was like, I looked at this and was like, I'm killing my dog. <laughs> I didn't read anything. All I saw was a ton of red. And I was just like, red, and it, it took me back to school. That's with the teacher. And you get all this, it, you know, my my report was bleeding because I did such a bad job. And they were like, oh, I never thought about that. But it is the same thing with yours is my first thing was to go and look sort of like as a summary of, is my dog dying? No, he's not. He's doing pretty good. But when it comes to the database for like raw to raw and kibble to kibble, my head goes to, um, because, you know, we can never make it easy for anyone, but, you know, for people who are like, well, I feed home cooked or I feed a hybrid diet or, well, when I adopted my dog, he was eating kibble and now I'm switching him to raw. So which do I choose? And I just feel like it, we will make it a struggle for you. And I apologize in advance. Uh, you're right. I can totally see this. It's going to be really hard. <laughs> I can do it. We don't mean to be that way. We just, we're a community of people who overthink and overanalyze everything under the sun. And so if you, if you give us an inch, we will take 10 miles <laughs> and then you'll be like, yeah, I should have never even opened that door. <laughs> And, you know, and I think what happens are, you know, 
like if you've ever lost a dog the next time around you're like i'm gonna do everything right i'm gonna you know be over the top i'm gonna be the helicopter health dog mom you know and because you're trying to prevent that from happening again (laughs) yeah i get a lot of those emails you want to live have them live as long as they can yeah so has there over the years has there anything that's surprised you in your line of work Well, I mean, I will say, you know, I started really thinking about like diarrhea and I was really surprised when there were a lot of people who said like that they were seeing responses for like chronic kidney disease and atopic dermatitis. Or I, so I, I mean, but when you think about the microbiome and how it affects so many different parts of the, the, I mean, it's just foundational to the whole body. And so there's the gut skin axis, there's the gut liver axis, gut brain axis. I'm not as surprised now, but, um, there's a really cool study going on right now at University of Illinois where they're using the gut restore to treat cats and dogs with diabetes mellitus. And um, so if you know anybody in Illinois, um, Arnon Gall, and just let, let me know anyway, halliedanimalviome.com. We're trying to get more patients enrolled. And um, and he's found for the dogs so far, he's really having a hard time getting enough cats that he's actually reducing the amount of insulin that they need. And I mean, I'm just kind of, kind of amazing to think that something so simple, um, could be beneficial like that. Well, you know, it's only been a short time that I've been using your products with Scout. I guess he's been on it for a couple of weeks. I started with the gut restore. I started low because my veterinarian wanted me to work my way up. And then she wanted me to start with the gut restore and then, you know, get the immune shield next. And we're, we're taking everything slowly. And I think it's a kind of a good idea because instead of hitting him with all these things at once and not knowing what did what, we're actually seeing like I saw what fiber did for him. And now I'm seeing what the gut restore is doing for him. And although, you know, still has cancer, it was not a cure for cancer. Sorry, everyone. (laughs) However, he's doing great. And I think the most exciting thing for him was he gets acupuncture almost every Monday. And last week, um, his veterinarian felt that his lymph nodes had grown. So it's like, uh oh, cancer's back. We failed. And, um, but after all this time, his lymph nodes go up and down. So I don't worry too much about it. But um, that was right before he started with the gut restore. And it wasn't because of the gut restore. I'm not going to suggest that. But I am excited to say that his lymph nodes did go right back down again and stayed down. And they didn't get bigger beyond, you know, what she felt and they stayed down. Um, and they've, he's been doing really good. And I think the thing that's even more fun about all of this is his oncologist is, you know, she's a traditional vet. And so I'm telling her, you know, okay, so this is what I'm doing with him. When you, when you're not watching, this is what I'm doing with my dog. (laughs) So that, you know, just in case I, I um, am doing something that goes like that will invalidate what she's doing. And um, it's kind of fun to introduce someone who is not in the holistic space to your product. And, and she's seeing Scout and she's seeing how well he's doing. And she's going to see him. I think next week is when she sees him again. And so she'll, and she knows that his lymph nodes went up and she, you know, and all these type of things. And it's just to me fun because then she starts asking me questions because he's now gone past her, her prognosis. I got a, I was told a year. And so he's now six months past his, you know, deadline, his death date. (laughs) And, um, and now she's really interested 
in what I'm doing because it's just sort of like, well, maybe this can help other dogs too. And again, for anyone who's listening, I'm not suggesting that it's a cure, but it's kind of fun because he needs a strong immune system to be able to be a dog that lives with cancer. And this is just another cog in the wheel of making sure that he has that strong immune system. So I'm sold. Uh, I'm so glad Scout is doing well. Yeah. I hope he lives a long time. Me too. I want to be that person that was like, oh yeah, four years ago, my dog was diagnosed with cancer and he's over there playing with his ball. You know, <laughs> it's like, I want to be able to tell that story because it it is kind of, it's, it's one of those things where I'm so grateful that I found this veterinarian. What's funny is that we have another veterinarian in our area that's our famous vet. And so I called her and she was just like, I can't help your dog because you have him on prednisone and prednisone cancels out everything else. And I was just like, well, damn it. And, but she was just like, but in the meantime, she had also told me if you can't, because before she told me she couldn't help me, she was like, if I can help you or I can see you, but if you can't wait, you can go and see this veterinarian who is, happens to be her best friend. And so when she told me, you know what, I don't think I can help your dog and I don't want to waste your time or your money. I was like, okay. And so I called her friend and her friend was like, oh yeah, that's just how she is. Don't worry about it. Come on down. And so she, he's been seeing her ever since. And so it's kind of kismet and it's kind of fun (laughs) just to um, go through all of this and see just the amazing benefits and to work with a company that, you know, because I'm sure you guys have gotten this feedback is whenever a company has tests and also offers supplements, everyone's like, oh yeah, sure. My dog's gut microbiome is terrible. Of course, (laughs) I'm going to need to pay money for your supplements. But the supplements are like the real deal where, you know, it's the stuff that I used to recommend to people that's crap. And I'm like getting rid of all these supplements because it's like now I'm I'm reading like this does nothing. They lied to me. I mean, I'm sure it does something, but it just didn't do it for my dog. Yeah, I know. Like in the beginning, we just, you know, we didn't, we sold, we just told people to go to Amazon and buy other people's supplements because we didn't want to be that company. But, but then um, people really want a solution and they yeah. want something they can trust. And so, I mean, it is true. I would much rather buy something from you guys than just buy something randomly I mean, on Amazon or at the store only because I don't know. I mean, I, I think I feel like I got lucky with my fiber because I'm actually afraid of psyllium husk because I saw a video on YouTube of this guy who got, he took too much and it clogged up his digestive system. And it was like this horrible situation of what he had to go through. So he's like warning people, not, he's not warning them away from it, but just sort of like, read the instructions, guys. Don't think that, well, if I need this much, I bet you if I do three times as much, I'll be even healthier. It's like, yeah, no, that's a very painful thing. such a man thing to do. (laughs) I was like, I saw this video and it has stayed with me. I probably couldn't even find the video if I wanted to, but it has stayed with me where I'm like, no, psyllium husk, it turned, and he showed it, like it turns into, it looks like, um, remember that like silly putty? Right. It turns into the silly putty type stuff or Ugh. or that slime that kids play with. It turns into something like that. And it's like, I'm going to impact my dog's gut and he's come, he's going to have this expensive surgery to pull it out. And so I went with a different type of organic <laughs> fiber that I feel is much safer in my hands. Um, and my dog's doing great. All of them are. Yeah, it's 
it's, I think it can be useful, but it, it definitely makes it sort of this gelatinous thing. It absorbs water is the main thing it does. Yeah. Yeah. So I know you said that you're a raw feeder. Are you like in the care of your dogs or on like that more holistic side also? Like, are you more likely to go to like acupuncture or, you know, do those kinds of things with your dogs? Well, you know, I mean, I'm, I live in California, so I feel like it's, you know, we <laughs> definitely, are, our vets are a lot more integrative here, I think. So, um, so yeah, I've done acupuncture and um, I just wish that the, the acupuncturist was closer. We were a little bit short, short handed. I think the vets around here right now for acupuncturists yeah. and for even just having um, veterinarians. Same up here. I, my acupuncturist moved to Arizona. I have not forgiven her. I feel like <laughs> it, she did that to me and I'm really <laughs> upset with her about it. Um, and yeah, like I said at the beginning, it took me a year of me just calling just different places. And I specifically wanted someone who studied and practiced traditional Chinese medicine. And I um, mean, I found her and she's amazing. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was kind of fun when she mentioned, you know, I need you to do an animal biome test because I was the first time anyone has actually recommended that to me <laughs> and to see that it's now, I mean, I guess it's probably not mainstream, but like in our space, it very much is mainstream. And when I was mentioning it to people, it was fun to see so many comments from people of, oh, yeah, I did the test and we did this or we did two rounds of this. And and just the success stories that just started rolling in from other people and and seeing other people become interested because they were like, oh, well, what is this animal biome thing? I was, in fact, was talking to someone last night on Facebook Messenger about animal biome and just completely got excited because <laughs> it was just like, and we had this great conversation and did you know? And, <laughs> and I think I might have convinced her to buy a kit because I was just like, it was so cool. <laughs> so like you guys, I know that when we did it with Penny, like I know our vet actually called and kind of like consulted with you guys. Like I know Kimberly calls, like, do you guys spend a lot of times, like a lot of time trying to like help people understand the results also? Yeah. I mean, it's always great. Communicating this stuff is a constant learning. Um, but yeah, we, we um, offer free consults for the interpretation of the test results. Cause we know it's not, um, yeah. Like my mom would not know what to make of it. Right. <laughs> and, and there are a lot of people out there who want to try and help their pet. Yeah. I mean, I think it is. I I honestly think that um, it's probably, you know, there are so many tests out there and I get questions all the time about like, well, I only have so much money. So which test do you think I should get? And it's nice to be able to recommend Animal Biome because you can get so much out of it beyond because like, yeah, a, an allergy test or sensitivities test is great. And I've taken or not taken, but I had a sensitivity test done on my dog. It came back all red which of course I'm killing my dog. My dog is allergic to the entire world, I guess. Um, but it didn't really give me a follow-up of what I can do except for just don't feed these foods. But, you know, like one of the things that my dog is allergic to is pine trees. Well, I live in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I'm not going to go and ch chop down trees wherever my dog happens to stand. But, you know, with the animal biome, it's nice to be able to, as which, which is what I'm doing with Scout, is go beyond the sensitivity and really get to the, the foundation of what might be happening and start rebuilding from that point and seeing where it goes. Yeah, I think that the exciting thing about the microbiome is it, like, it may not right, be causing the condition, but it, it can be causing some of the symptoms, right? And it's a target of and something that you can, might be able to help 
was just diet, right? So it's, it's a great, a great target, I think, to focus on to support health. Yeah, this is so fascinating. And I'm like, so excited for what the future holds for you guys. <laughs> I know, me too. I'm, I'm like, this is really exciting. I have my I have my report up open on my screen. So I keep looking back <laughs> over to it to see if I have any more questions, but I don't have any. I, I just want to say congratulations. I mean, you guys made a lot of changes. And I, I have to say the report itself is absolutely stupendous. It's just so much easier to read and really interesting. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's perfect because at, as I'm reading it, all I can think of is like, which dog am I going to test next? Because it was so much fun. And just to be able to see the differences between um, the dogs like in the same house and how that would impact. Um, and that's a good question. Have you knowingly tested dogs within the same household? And do are they more going to be similar or different? It totally depends. Um, Years. <laughs> So yeah, like, so we've done like siblings that live in the same house on the same diet and they can look different. Um, sometimes they look the same and sometimes they don't. And I don't think you really understand yeah. why. Yeah. It's the same thing with the nutrient tests though, because you would think that, you know, I have four dogs, they all eat the exact same diet. They have the exact same life, but one of my dogs absorbs nutrients differently than the other ones. So his test always comes back just like a little bit different than every, not much, but a little bit different than everyone else's. It is what it is. Yeah. You said, you know, the, the host genome matters too. You know, when I was in school, I was like, science was always like my least favorite subject. Um, and, you know, I get annoyed. Like, I wish they had presented it to me as like, oh, there's like this health puzzle that you're trying to solve, yeah. like, because that would have gotten me interested in this. And but through my career and then just through my own health and my dog's health, like, you know, I've like learned so much. And I'm like, man, I wish I had pursued this, been more interested in it in school. <laughs> yeah, well, science education, is, uh, it's not always done as well as we'd like. And, um, <laughs> and it's hard to do, hard to do well, for sure. Kimberly, I always think like if they were teaching me like blood spatter or like crime scene, like that would have gotten me interested too. Like, I know. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Let's, we're going to watch this episode of Dexter and talk about what they got right and what they got wrong. <laughs> I would have been totally into that class. <laughs> but I know I felt the same way about account. I'm an accountant, but accounting classes sucked. I hated them, but I love accounting. I like numbers, so... That's probably another reason why I like the reports. It's all nice and organized. I guess I just get excited to see like it's a woman-led company and, you know, in a, you know, this kind of science field. And you know, that just always makes me excited. <laughs> thank you so much. Well, thank, thank you, Molly. I really appreciate you coming on, especially on such short notice. This was like so exciting. It's, <laughs> it's like I'm just sitting here grinning from ear to ear because now I'm just going to sit down and look at the report for the like 10 billion times. <laughs> I'm just looking for, oh, that was my, I did have a question. So, and I, I promise this is my last one. So we've gone through, I'm going through all this with my dog. I'm do, I'm going to do another round of the, the gut restore. So when can I do another test? We recommend waiting two weeks just because we like to see what's, what's hung around for two weeks. I mean, of course it'll wash out in a couple of days. So you can do it as soon as a couple of days, but our standard request is okay two weeks just so we have it sort of, we can compare, um, you know, samples that you do in the future. But 
some dogs aren't stable off it. So, you know, if you, if you find that you can't go that long, then you can do it sooner. Okay. Yeah. That was all. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for your time. Yeah. It's really a treat to talk to you guys. Love to do it again anytime. Oh, and now we were going to hold you to that. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Holly. 